This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Well, good morning, everyone, and happy Friday, and welcome to the Friday morning break with Poppy Gibson. Uh, I can't believe that we're escalating towards the summer holidays already. Hopefully, those of you that are teachers are starting to enjoy some calmer weeks ahead as we move towards July. I I still can't believe it's the middle of June already. Uh, Very excitingly, we're going to be talking about oracy today with our guest, Angela Schofield. I can see Angela has just joined the studio. So good morning, Angela. Uh, We'll be greeting her in a second. And we've got lots of questions today around oracy. If you don't even know what it is, we will find that out today and how we can use that in the classroom. So without further ado, good morning, Angela. Good morning. How are you? Slightly nervous, but I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't be nervous. Just sit back and relax. We've just got uh, kind of an hour together asking you some, some questions around oracy, really just to inspire our listeners, really support our trainee teachers understanding even what oracy is because I'm sure some of us that are listening uh, and I can see we've got some new teachers listening in as well uh, they really want to know what it is and how we do it well and and what the point of it is does that sound okay it sounds wonderful (laughs) wonderful before we start Angela how's your week been lovely so last weekend my eldest son got married so um that was beautiful congratulations congratulations (laughs) so no that was lovely Very nice. It's nice to have those special events sprinkled through the school year, isn't it? It is. I think quite often as people who work in schools, we feel we neglect our families a little bit in term time. So it was really nice to just have a whole weekend with all my family because I have five boys. So we all got together. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. And the sun was shining. The sun was shining. The sky was blue. It was a a castle uh, in Portsmouth right next to the sea it was just beautiful fantastic oh thank you for sharing that with with us Angela that's lovely and uh yeah really nice when we have wedding season upon us lots of chances to crack out our fancy clothes and (laughs) all get together like you say it was Uh, wonderful so Angela um I thought before we dive into the big topic for today uh I thought maybe could you please tell us about your own career journey kind of what got you into education and and your whole pathway up until today is that okay that's fine it's it's quite um quite a different story i think um i used to run bars and nightclubs and um, okay yeah that's yeah. not normally what our guests start with <laughs> <laughs> and um I, des- I decided i wanted to move into teaching um i worked in my son's special school as a volunteer for a couple of terms and I just absolutely loved it. I always thought I'd be a secondary teacher, but I just loved that so much. I ended up training to be primary. Um, then I did my NQT in uh, one of the Trojan Horse schools. So that was interesting. Um, wow. So obviously in special measures and it was an outstanding school. Teachers were amazing, but obviously under that pressure, lots of outstanding teachers will leave because they don't need that pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you end up with really rapid promotion, um, which you kind of have to sink or swim and grow into. Um, And I was really lucky that I was really well supported with that. So I finished my NQT in the December and I became head of year in the January, five form entry school. 
Um, wow. So that, wow. So that, <laughs> that was a very, very steep learning curve. Um, I stayed there for four years and then became an English lead in a different school and then became an AHT in that school and then moved to the school I'm currently based in um, as deputy head four years ago. And now they've kind of created the perfect job for me. So I'm a program development lead. Nobody knows what that means. Um, I currently support with teaching and learning curriculum. I lead CPD, Closing the Disadvantage Gap, Oracy and Research Engagement across the Trust. And it's the best job ever. Wow. What a journey, Angela. <laughs> oh, I'm, exa I'm exhausted just hearing about your education journey. <laughs> Wow, what what a what a journey and you know the experiences you've had there and thank you for sharing that and and now I love this in a role they've created for you doing what you can to support our disadvantaged learners. So I feel like I wish we had the whole day together. <laughs> but let's see what we can do in the next kind of 50 minutes. Um so I guess the first question that I think we really need to clarify uh, and welcome everyone that's joining us. We're here with Angela today talking about oracy. Um I guess my first question is, what is Oracy? So Oracy is what the national curriculum puts into English as speaking and listening. It gets a paragraph, a few bullet points. Um, it's so much more than that. So Oracy is really simply the ability to speak clearly, articulate your ideas and your opinions to influence others. Listening is a key Oracy skill and actually building that confidence to express your views because you believe your voice is valued. Um, so it's it's been really nicely because the national curriculum doesn't give us enough detail to be able to teach this explicitly so the mm -hmm. university of cambridge and voice 21 have created an oracy framework that has four strands so they split it into the physical skills the linguistic skills the cognitive skills and the social and emotional skills and by doing that we can explicitly teach all the elements um, that children need to be able to communicate really really effectively Fantastic. Thank you. So is, is Oracy something that's always been in education or has it changed over time? So speaking and listening has always been part of the curriculum. Um, I think lots of schools do prioritise talk tasks and speaking. I think um, the independent sector have been better at explicitly teaching those skills. So the, mm -hmm. there's two different types of talk that we look at. So there's exploratory talk. And many people think oracy means talking in full sentences all the time, and it really doesn't. Um, so exploratory talk is actually quite messy. It's where children don't know the answer yet, but they're discussing it genuinely, trying to work the answer out together rather than argue their own point of view. Um, and those skills are quite difficult to teach. Uh, any new teachers, you will find group work is a challenge when you first start and teaching the oracy skills will really help with that because children don't naturally know how to come to a consensus amicably or respectfully disagree or mm -hmm. listen really carefully and respond um, and then the presentation talk is what a lot of the independent schools do brilliantly you know the debating the making yeah. speeches that that's taught there it's just sort of accepted that it's important and i think for a long time state schools didn't teach that as well and our children need to be able to present their ideas clearly. It's part, it's a huge part of closing the disadvantage gap, which is my absolute passion. Yeah, yeah, so true. And I think, I mean, would we say, Oracy, you know, some of this, this debating preparation is almost part of that hidden curriculum we sometimes talk about, because I can imagine if they're having more opportunities for this 
you know developing their talk when they go for a job interview you know as a young person or an adult or or when they're you know getting ready to speak at a conference they're going to have more confidence surely than if they haven't had those opportunities absolutely i mean if you look at people who are in public life they are very largely from the independent sector because those skills have been taught and they have the confidence that their opinion is worth listening to so we need to work really hard to make sure that all our children get that um, job applications when you're going for college some of the opportunities we give our children so in year five they should be presenting to the senior leadership team by year six they're presenting to the trust um, mm -hmm. they need to get bigger audiences and they need to believe their voice is heard Definitely. That's so true. I mean, what's more important than people voice <laughs> or, or human voice? Yeah, even uh, once you're an adult. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. So I guess my next question. So the listeners and I are starting to get a handle of what oracy is. What exactly would this then look like in the classroom? OK, so um, we start with we work with, from the Noisy Classroom Manifesto. Um, Noisy Classroom is a brilliant organisation. And their manifesto is really saying, don't judge a noisy classroom and assume that there's not any learning happening. I think it can be quite tempting when you walk around a school to hear lots of noise from a classroom and assume those children aren't learning. But actually, it could be the most exciting place for learning. But there's certain rules. So the noise levels controlled by the teacher, the children have a purpose for talk, mm -hmm. um, it's structured talk. And it's very much used for learning rather than just general talk. So we started from that basis. Um, we explicitly teach lots of vocabulary and sentence structures. So we have sentence stems in every classroom. Um, so these are just written on strips. So they have sentence stems for agreeing, for disagreeing, for challenging, for probing, for summarizing. Um, and that gives them a hook is their scaffold so everybody gets scaffolded oracy in our schools um, mm -hmm. we just give extra scaffolding to some children but they're up in the classroom they're right above the whiteboard at the front of the classroom they are there for every lesson so there's no prep there's no planning for this it's just used as part of everyday classroom practice um, so the sentence stems are really important in our classrooms um, you should see child-led discussion that's the aim now mm -hmm. that doesn't start in reception obviously there's a progression mm -hmm. <laughs> but by year five and six we've moved away from the teacher asks a question one child responds yes or no let's move on to the next thing uh, we've moved away from that so a lot of our questions are reframed as talking points and the children agree or disagree and they can say they're unsure and we really praise children changing their mind because of something they've heard I um, love that. So yeah it, it's so important and i think actually grown-ups we quite often could learn with being able to do that and being willing to say, actually, you're right. And I think I've changed my mind. Um, yes, definitely. And I mean, I can already see how, yeah, these are skills that you could take forward. If you've learned these, these ways to communicate, these are like lifelong skills. I, absolutely. I think they're genuinely life skills um, and not just for learning for social skills and general interactions. Um, no outsiders is a huge part of what we do in our trust and those lessons and assemblies really give children chance to practice respectful discussion and disagreeing and agreeing and being willing to change their mind and um, we have a progression map which we use for planning and assessment so we took the oracy framework and then we broke that down because for example the physical strand would look at voice so that's pace tone pronunciation projection body language facial expression um, 
And even that's too, although they've broken it down better than the national curriculum, it's still too broad to teach from. So we've mm -hmm. broken each of those down into half-termly objectives right the way from nursery to year six. So we're focusing really precisely on the next small step. So um, yeah, in the classroom, it's, it's deliberate, it's intentional, but it's not a lot of resourcing at all. It's just second nature to use it and teach it. I love that. This I can see how it just seems ingrained in everything that you're doing and that your teachers are doing. It is. It's it's every lesson, every day, but it's also beyond that. I think it's it's a whole school culture. Amazing. Right, Angela, don't go away. I'm just going to play a quick reminder of uh, our sponsors. But if you're just joining us, we're here with Angela Schofield talking about oracy in the classroom. Uh, so many more questions to ask you, Angela. <laughs> it, it, it's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. This programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go wellbeing and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and wellbeing tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. So welcome to everyone who's just joining us. We're here with Angela Schofield today talking about Oracy. Um, and the next question I want to jump right in with, please, Angela, is... You've explained what oracy looks like in the classroom in terms of, you know, student-led conversations. Can oracy be extended beyond the classroom? Absolutely. And I think for it to have real impact, it has to. So we have quite a few things going on. So we have um, lunchtime talk tasks. So our lunchtime supervisors have all had oracy training. So one of our oracy champions will send out a talk task. Uh, with suggested sentence stems for the answers. It's the same across school because otherwise it just gets too complicated. Um, on a Monday, the class teachers will explain the talk task to the children and they'll give them the sentence stems. And then at lunchtimes all the way through the week, our lunchtime supervisors will go and talk to the children and ask that question or raise that talking point. Mm -hmm. um, and that works beautifully because some of your shyer children, actually it gets them, gets them talking because they're really they're secure in what they're being asked and what the expectation is. Uh, we also have um, our little huts out in the playground, our chatterbox corners, which have a range of talking points and picture stimuli, so things like concept cartoons. Um, wow, which I children, love this. Yeah, and they just go and access that themselves. And where you've got children who are struggling to access that, but they're sitting there obviously wanting to, mm -hmm. then our lunchtime supervisors know how to go and help them and get the conversation started and then withdraw as they get as they're happy to carry on themselves um they also have on the back of their lanyards the lunchtime supervisors have some um sentence stems for managing conflict so the idea is that the children resolve their own conflicts but sometimes they need some help so you know the sentence stem that says i feel really angry right now because is better than the shouting he said she said they did this they did that 
Um, and then we also have the ones, I can see you didn't mean to do this. Um, I'm not happy that this happened, but I'm willing to move on those kind of stems. So that's really helpful. Um, and a lot of this is about depending, developing their independence in using their oracy skills. Uh, we use Sumo for Schools Foundation um, for our pastoral work. Um, which is lovely. It's six really clear principles. I don't have time to talk about all of them, but one of them is um, remember the beach ball. So if you imagine a beach ball in your head, you've got two children saying completely the opposite thing about an event. And we, we remember the beach ball. If I'm looking at it, it might be red, blue, green. And if you are looking at it from the opposite side, it might be yellow, orange, white. Mm -hmm. We're saying completely different things, but we're actually both correct. And it teaches children about perspective and um, it's a really nice way to start a conversation with children. So there's lots of stuff around Sumo that really works well with talking through conflict and compromising. Uh, there's the obvious clubs like drama and debating. Uh, we don't have a school council. We have a pupil parliament. So every oh, class. Pupil parliament. Good. <laughs> it's, it's so amazing to watch them work. So every class has an MP from year one to six. Um, then in year five and six, they form the cabinet. So we have ministers for oracy, for history, for maths, for PE, for well-being, all sorts of ministers. So when the leadership team do learning walks or they do book looks, they do that with the minister for that subject or that area. Um, and then from the cabinet, um, they put themselves forward to be the prime minister. They have to give a speech to the whole wow. school and the whole <laughs> is, is school votes on it. Is, is this just key stage two or, or children in it from every class? There are children in the parliament from every class, but the cabinet is made up of year five and six. OK, OK. And, and you, so you've got a prime minister at the moment. They do a good job. They're doing a really good job. I When I saw one the other day, he was just on his way to do a maths walk because um, the parliament had raised some questions about, you know, have, has every classroom got the same access to resources? So they were doing a walk to check. Um, so right. they take it very, very seriously. Um, they, they've met um, they've met the local MP, they, Lord Hunt from Birmingham came to visit the pupil parliament um, to talk to them about what it's like to be a, a politician and, you know, how important their role was. So they've had some really good opportunities. And then the thing we're really excited about is we do a public speaking competition. It's called Speak Up, Speak Out. Um, um, it's run for year six children across Birmingham, but we've actually, it's grown a bit this year. So we've got people from as far apart as Hampshire and Darlington coming down for it this year. We have it in a theatre. Um, it's really, really exciting. And they talk about things that matter to them. So what makes me unique? What equality means to me? Most inspirational person, those sort of themes. So it's quite general themes and it's really personal topics. So they get lots of chance to talk for different purposes and different audiences. Gosh, fantastic. So just going back, you've taught me so much information already, but back to, <laughs> I love the idea of, of really maximizing the playground time. So the fact that you've got those, um, did you call it a talk task? Uh, we have talk, talk tasks, yeah. And, and the Chatterbox Corner, which I must say, I love the name of that. I feel like we need one of those at university. <laughs> the Chatterbox <laughs> Corner. And, and I think, you know, and, and the fact you've got the conflict sentence stems, like I can think now of some adults who would benefit from, from those kind of <laughs> stems. And I think what's so important, because if you think how some of our children might be spoken to, you know, in the home or outside of school, you know, sometimes as parents, we don't always know the best way to to support them in communicating. So if at school they're learning these these tools, almost like a toolkit, isn't it? Like a talking toolkit. 
Um, it is. It's, it's just fantastic. Yeah, just helping us. You know, if I look back at, I was talking about my mum yesterday. I, lo- I love my mum, but I think she wasn't always, you know, aware of how to speak about emotions when she was a child. So she finds it a bit tricky. And I think, you know, actually, as, as adults, we can always do with developing our vocabulary how to communicate. That's just essential. Absolutely. Like I say, I think it's a fundamental life skill. Definitely. Um, kind of leads to my next question, though, that I want to pick up. So you mentioned how the the chatterbox corner for example can be useful for shy pupils um but the the next thing i'm really interested in do you think all this focus on oracy actually disadvantages shy or disadvantaged or maybe even eal english as additional language learners that you might have in your school like actually is this too much for them is this going to be overwhelming for them what do you think so it is something that we thought about a lot when we first started doing this, um, because there is this idea that if someone doesn't want to speak out publicly, then you're making them feel uncomfortable by doing it. Um, I think we've we've very much clarified what we think now. And our approach is that if a child doesn't like maths, we, we teach them to do maths and feel confident in maths. And we do the same thing with oracy. Mm-hmm. So because we think it's a life skill, it's not about forcing anyone to do anything. It's about slowly supporting them so they feel confident to do it. And a lot of that is about experiencing success. If you've done something, you feel more confident to try and do the next step. So that's why oracy is so heavily scaffolded in our schools. Um, no child's expected to just stand up and speak. Um, but it's an absolutely essential thing to do. So children who start school with low communication skills are six times less likely to get expected in English at year six and it it has an impact on science on maths it has an impact on their relationships it has an impact on their behavior their mental health so so we don't see we can avoid doing it so it's about making sure that we've given them the support to do it so I do a lot of things around the disadvantage gap and one of the key bits is um, they need to feel that they belong So Mm -hmm. knowing that your voice is valued and heard is really important. So teaching everyone else listening skills means that no child stands up and is mocked or belittled or, you know, made to feel bad about if they're not as brilliant at it as everyone else. They're celebrated for for getting better, um, which is really important. And then having a good one good friend actually makes a huge difference to outcomes for disadvantaged children. So mm-hmm. oracy skills build friendships, they build relationship skills, conflict management, it all kind of feeds in together. So we work very much at a child's pace. So you may have a child who starts by just working with a partner and then slowly moves to a trio and then maybe a small group of four. You can't force a shy child to talk to a whole class mm-hmm. when they're struggling to just talk to one person. So it's about moving at a child's pace, I think. Um, one of the top six in the Speak Up competition last year was an incredibly shy EAL child who, when he said, I'm going to do the competition, miss, I looked at his teacher and she looked at me and we both went, oh, this is a challenge. And he did brilliantly, absolutely brilliantly, because he wanted his voice to be heard about something he really cared about. And his mum, who didn't speak a word of English, came to the theatre and sat there for the whole day to support him. Um, and it was just absolutely one of those moments you remember for a really long time. 
So I think, you know, having that really interesting stimulus for talk, a genuine purpose for talk. Children don't like presenting to their class when all Mm -hmm. the class are presenting the same information. But the chance to present to your leadership team or to the school parliament or to, you know, speak to the whole school um, is something slightly more important. Um, I think it's really inclusive what we do. We're, We're very aware in everything we've done with RSC, we've looked at what is the impact of doing this on our most vulnerable children. So we've gone from that way rather than what's the impact on the children who are already confident and taking them further. So um, some children will have sentence frames rather than stems. So it's a bit more like a close procedure sentence rather than just the start of the sentence. Okay. Some can use stems from different year groups. Um, We have a public speaking award system and that's done by grades, not year groups. So if you're in year six and you've just got your foundation award, you will stand up and be celebrated in assembly just the same as someone who's got grade six. Lovely. So it's about that. Definitely sounds inclusive. I can see how this feeds into, you know, just the whole school community and everyone, you know, being able to communicate with each other. Oh, do you know, what, Angela, on that really positive note, we're going to break for the news. <laughs> let's let's end on a high. Uh, we'll take a seven and a half minute break. And when we come back, maybe we'll think about what more of these kind of challenges might be, if that's OK. Definitely. right see you soon join you all in a few minutes it's time for a fresh start to language learning pearson edexcel's new student-centered french german and spanish 2024 gcses cater to the needs of all learners regardless of their background ability or reason for studying Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. This programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go wellbeing and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and wellbeing tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio news the bbc reports that one in three primary schools has no male teachers the study by the warwick business school says the proportion of schools without a male classroom teacher has increased in the last 12 months the report's author dr joshua fullard said this lack of male teachers was bad for pupils Dr. Fullard is Assistant Professor of Behavioural Science at Warwick Business School. He went on to say that there is a large body of research that shows students benefit from being educated by a teacher with certain similarities to them. The report also found that schools in special measures are less likely to have a male classroom teacher. In total, the report found that 24.3% of all state schools in England had no male classroom teachers. The report called for teachers' pay to be raised by more than 10% and for a merit-based reduction in tuition fees for university-led teacher training to be introduced. 
Julie McCulloch, Director of Policy for Askell Union, said more needed to be done to attract men and women alike. And a spokesperson for the DfE said the department wanted the profession to be inclusive. Northeast Child Poverty Commission website reports that new figures published by the DfE confirm that more than three in 10 pupils across the Northeast are now registered for free school meals. This is an increase from January 2022. It remains the highest proportion of any part of England. The figure of 30.4% is compared with 18.8% of pupils in the southeast and 19.4% in the east of England. The England-wide rate is 23.8%. All regions have seen a significant increase in the number and share of children eligible for free school meals over the last seven years. The Guardian reports children's enjoyment of writing has fallen to crisis point following research completed by the National Literacy Trust. The charity says an alarmingly low level of children and young people enjoy writing. The research was conducted across the UK. 34.6% of young people aged 8 to 18 said that they enjoy writing in their free time. Although three in four children starting school said that they enjoyed writing, this dropped to one in four by the age of 16. The Children's and Young People's Writing Report is drawn from over 70,000 responses from children to the charity's annual literacy survey. The number of children who say they enjoy writing in their free time has dropped by 12.2% in the 13 years since the survey began. Young people do report that they write to improve mental health and well-being and to support causes or issues they care about. Full details can be found on the National Literacy Trust website. Finally, Microsoft News reports that Taiwan has made the move to use Generative Artificial Intelligence, or AI, to help students learn English. Teachers in the country often report that students read and write better than they speak English, as shyness and a lack of practice can hinder oral communication. A new chatbot has been funded by Taiwan's Ministry of Education to help pupils get the practice they need. The Cooley bot allows pupils to speak person to AI and build up conversation on preset topics. It also assesses punctuation, accuracy and fluency. Taiwan has set a goal of becoming bilingual in Chinese and English by 2030. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to ask you a question. Do you use presentation software to help you deliver your lessons? 99% of you will be saying yes at this point. Have you ever considered how many presentations the average pupil in your school sees in a day, in a week, or even in their entire school life? Considering a typical secondary education with a bit of rough maths, over a week with five lessons a day, there's potential to see 25 presentations. That's 100 presentations in just four weeks. I've left out any additional presentations like assemblies and visitors, etc. Working on a 38-week year, that's a whopping 950 presentations a year. That's a lot of presentations. Now, let's throw in some schools have a standardised slide theme and set layouts. Now we have 950 exactly the same lesson beginnings. I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but do we really know what experience a pupil gets through a typical week in school? Are they being engaged or are they being presented with the same visual stimulus 
day in, day out, simply causing them to fly below the radar. If you're like me, you're now thinking, how do I make my presentation stand out? Is there a presentation software out there that's better than all the rest? In my humble opinion, this is like the visualizer versus HD webcam argument. What works for some does not work for others because all subjects are not the same, which is a good thing, don't get me wrong, but please bear in mind that what works for one teacher may not work for another. A search for free presentation software returns no less than 24 apps I recognize. Some are interactive like Mentimeter, others have more dynamic transitions like Prezi. Most also have additional features and add-ons you can purchase. I know what you're saying, come on Steve, which is the best though? Well the answer is simple, but I've run out of time so I'll have to tell you next week. In the meantime, please consider the number of presentations a typical pupil is subjected to in your school. Does this need to change or does it work? And how do you know? Do you have a preferred presentation software and what are the features that make it stand out for you? Let us know at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. It's time for Welcome back everybody. You're here on the Friday morning break with me, Poppy Gibson, on Teachers Talk Radio and our very special guest, Angela. Welcome back, Angela. Hi. Uh, really interesting how both the news and the two minute tech we're all talking about things to do with communicating. So I'm, I'm glad we're obviously on trend with our conversation today. <laughs> very, very appropriate. <laughs> so before the news, if you were with us this morning, we were talking to Angela about what is oracy, what it looks like in the classroom, how do we extend it beyond the classroom? And Angela told us some great things they're doing around public speaking with the children, um, having a children's parliament, a people parliament, and things like uh, talk tasks in the playground at break timers, which I think is a great idea. I think I'm, I need this for my students on their coffee breaks. I think that's a great idea at all <laughs> levels. Um, so the next question I have here for you, Angela, then we, we've spoken about um, how actually it can be very inclusive to have this focus on language. But I wonder, what do you think are these biggest challenges in creating an oracy culture? What have you come across in your own experience? So some of them we've touched on already um mm -hmm. but send particularly speech language and communication needs was um something that we've had to do quite a lot of work on because um we they needed slightly more specialist provisions so um we employ a speech therapist who comes in every two weeks we also have speech therapy students in our school so those children are getting expert help as well as their oracy curriculum mm -hmm. um and we've also we use the welcome intervention um which is around language and vocabulary communication uh, we started it in eyfs and it just had such a phenomenal impact that we've now rolled it across primary so we actually have a teaching assistant who just does welcome interventions um, because it's quite specialist it's one-on-one -on -one, um, but it's really short it's short and regular um so we do a lot our our, our assumption is always that our children can do it you know, it's the least dangerous assumption. We assume they can do it. We assume they can get better. So it's our job to put in everything they need to make that happen. So that that's definitely a challenge. You need to have a think about how you're going to approach that. Mm -hmm. um, EAL, you mentioned earlier. So what was really helpful to us, because our parents are very supportive, but some of them don't speak English at all, or it's definitely not their first language or even their second in some cases. What was brilliant was our community link worker 
runs coffee mornings and workshops for for our parents and realizing that the oracy framework does not mention language at all was absolutely key because then what she could do was teach the parents how they could let the children practice the oracy framework skills in their home language meant the parents felt they could be really included. And that had a huge impact on our EAL um, children. Um, and then the progression map. So the progression map that we've created that I'm more than happy to share with anyone who wants it, it's gone out to quite a few schools already. Um, that allows us to work from exactly where a child is. And some of the skills such as gesture and tone of voice, which are key skills, can be practiced at the very earliest stages of learning English, whereas others around the linguistic strands of choosing your vocabulary and your sentence structure, they might be working slightly lower down the progression map. So it's just about always working for where the children are. Mm -hmm. The shy children we've talked about, um, but you've also got the children who dominate. And I have to be honest, I'm one of those people. I have to sit on my <laughs> I, yeah I have to sit on my hand in meetings to stop me going oh can I just say <laughs> because I'm dreadful um at least I'm aware of it so what we used to have was um talk tokens so they're just you know normal house point type tokens or maths counters um so for some children they're given th two tokens three tokens when they've every time they contribute they use that and then they can't contribute anymore so oh, it makes them that's think really, interesting yeah it makes them think really really carefully is this what i want to spend my last talk token on um yeah i like that really must make them more reflective about what they contribute that's a great idea and, and it also helps because we all do this, I think. Um, we sit there and we listen, but we're not really listening. We're waiting for our chance to say what we were going to say anyway. Oh, sorry, just my dog joining in. That's all right. For a second, <laughs> I thought it was mine. <laughs> um, so it just makes them think, is what I'm saying absolutely relevant and essential? Um, but I got an idea from school I was in, and I do apologise, I can't remember the name of the school. So if you're listening, please tell me and I'll start crediting you in my presentations because I do always say I don't know who it was. But they gave children Lego blocks um, because for the Sen children, it made it really, really concrete that when they contribute, they put their block on the pile in the middle and they build a tower or a square, but it means they can see that they're building onto the conversation. Um, wow. And that's been really nice. I love the idea. I just wish I, I could have ever given it me. So, so they're all making one big tower in the middle. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Do you know what? I've got so many little sneaky tips I'm going to take <laughs> to my next lecture. <laughs> I love that. That's, but that's really great, isn't it? I'm already thinking like, I've got lots of uh, like unused uh, building blocks that I could take. Yeah. Just to show you're all part of something together. Yes. Like you say, it feeds back to that inclusion, doesn't it? It does. And if you think back to motivation theory, Pink's book, Drive, um, it's autonomy, mastery and purpose. You need to feel that you've got autonomy, you're, you're expressing your view, that you've got mastery, you're getting better. But purpose is really important that you're building onto something bigger than yourself. And it makes you, it you know, contributes to belonging as well, that it's That's not brilliant. complete without your piece. I um, love that. And just the visual of that is, re is really powerful, isn't it? It is, definitely. So, um, yeah. Fantastic. Gosh, so many, I'm just busily trying to write all these tips down for my own classroom. Um, <laughs> so obviously it sounds like you're, you're doing so many good things to support your pupils. So I guess my next question, if, if there's someone listening who wants to start having this greater focus on oracy, where would they start? And what are, you, what are your kind of top tips at the beginning of that journey? 
So they're really simple. You need a compelling vision. You need to decide, do you just want an oracy bit in your school or do you want it to be every lesson? Do you want it to be a whole school culture? Um, so you need to be really clear on what you want and you need staff to buy into the fact that it's possible. What can be really helpful is visiting other schools. Um, and there's lots of resources on Voice 21's website and Noisy Classroom's website that can help you see what it could look like. Um, practically, really easy win. RSE framework, make sure everybody knows what those four strands are and what skills it is you're actually trying to teach. Sentence stems were the big win for us. We saw an impact from those in less than half a term. So we use the, um, it's freely available, the Tower Hamlets progression in language structures document. It's quite old, it's absolutely brilliant. So for each purpose for talk, it's got um, a sentence stems for each year group. And it's just absolutely amazing. So that's free. The framework you can get free from Voice 21. The, the progression map, I'd say, made a difference to our teachers because it stopped it feeling huge. It made it really precise. So, you know, in nursery, in term one, we are focusing on turning your body to face the person that you're um, speaking to. So we mm -hmm. don't insist on eye contact for inclusion reasons. Um, my own son, uh, is autistic and I talked to him about this many many years ago and and we worked out that what he does is he face turns his face and his body to the person he's talking to but his eyes won't be looking at them but he's mm -hmm. showing that he's listening so it's about just being really aware um, that everybody is comfortable and included so the progression map I'm happy to give out free no outsiders lessons and assemblies were massive for obviously in our school um, and the assemblies are freely available on that website Welcome, I'm afraid, isn't free, but that would be one of my top tips is the welcome intervention for EYFS and primary. And if I'm allowed a little plug, if anyone wants to actually see it in practice, we have our last open morning on June the 26th at Parkfield, if anyone would like to come and see it in school. Thank I you, gosh, a, list, a list <laughs> of useful things for us. Thank you so much, Angela. So um, lots of good top tips. And I guess the main thing is, like you say, just have a vision, like don't feel it's just an add on to what you're doing, but really see the value in Oracy, right? Absolutely, it's so important. And if you get that, it will be fine. Wonderful, thank you. Um, so the next question, and um, I'm, this is actually what someone's asked me to ask you, one of my students when I said you were coming on, um, as you obviously have a great understanding of, of language and the role of communicating, they asked me, what is one of your favorite children's books or are there any children's books that really stand out that you've been using to facilitate um, kind of oracy in your schools? Um, this is always hard because there's so many. So can I have two? Okay, okay, we'll give you two <laughs> as it's Friday. So the first one I'd say is Key Stage One um, and it's the bear and it's he, he, he's lost his hat and, and you go through the story of him going and asking everyone where his hat is. Um, and I love that story because the oracy opportunities are huge. So you can sort of get to halfway through the lesson. Um, this is a Let's Think in English lesson, um, which is brilliant. And that's a sample lesson available on their website. Um, and you get halfway through and then you get them to sequence the pictures from the rest of the story and try and work out the ending. But the oracy opportunities in why do you think that? and describe the bear before we do the prediction and now describe the bear when you know the end. And the children just love the story, but the discussions mm -hmm. you get out of it are just wonderful. But then my absolute favorite is wonder. And some people 
will say to me that it's a really simple story. It's it's just the plot's too simple for, for year five and year six, which is where I generally teach it. But um, I'm, I'm going to assume everyone's heard of Wonder because they made a film of it eventually. Um, it links beautifully to No Outsiders, but what it what it gives them is really rich personal development discussions, speaking about emotions. They identify so closely with the characters that they really empathize. So it helps with their social and emotional skills. It also helps when they come to write because they've got a deeper understanding of character motivations um, and how to write about difficult things like sadness because children find that hard because a lot of children's books don't have sad bits. Um, but then it, for me, it's still got the complexity you need in year five and six because it's got different narrators and children have got to work out that these are different people at different points and put that story together in their own head so that would be probably my my favorite one. Oh, lovely thank you so much for sharing those with us um i wonder if is there also a book from your own childhood that maybe also stands out for you as well what was that one book that you yourself loved reading as a child or being read to so it's quite unusual. My favourite book from the age of 11 onwards, I must have read it about 20 times, is <laughs> a really old fashioned book. It's um, Three Men on a Boat. So I read it on holiday in Guernsey in a hotel. Oh, I don't know it. I don't, I'll have don't to grab a copy. <laughs> it is, it's Jerome K. Jerome. It's a really, really, really old book. But it made me laugh out loud. And um, we were in a family room on a holiday in Guernsey and I drove my parents up the wall because I just kept <laughs> laughing out loud and I read it all through the night so they just kept being woken up with me and giggles oh I love that what a special memory <laughs> I mean not not for your family <laughs> <laughs> that's for me. wonderful yeah that's very sweet thank you so much for sharing that um right you'll, you'll be pleased to know I've only got two questions left for you Angela I feel like we've covered a lot together um I know you've spoken about tips for people starting with oracy but just more generally please after you shared your, your really useful background all the amazing places you've worked if there are any trainee teachers listening like my students um any nqts or ects who might be at the very start of their career have you just got some wider advice please on on becoming a teacher and i don't know just anything about preserving themselves ambition any just any general advice please from someone who's had such a, a kind of colorful background as yourself okay um i think as an nqt i wasn't always kind to myself um especially having come from a career in the private sector it was alien to me that someone was going to stand at the back of the room and watch me do my job um i found that really really difficult and slightest bit of negative feedback i blew up into this massive thing and i can't do this and and don't do that um <laughs> really don't um the way education works is there will always be an even better if and mm -hmm. that took me a long time to get my head around it doesn't mean you're not good enough you absolutely are it just means you can get better every time so always bear in mind even better is doesn't equal not good enough mm -hmm. um have a cut off have some protected time and i'm dreadful i'm a happy workaholic i will you know, <laughs> happily get going but i have to remember i also have a family and they're not happy yeah. workaholics they quite like to see me so setting yourself cutoff points i think is really important um learn about what, what is your what is your cutoff angela what's your time go on be honest okay be honest i now do not work on saturday mornings um i work a little bit on saturday afternoon and i don't work saturday night and i don't work on sunday day okay other beyond that that's quite good for me 
and in the school <laughs> holidays I set a particular day or a couple of days that I'm going to work and I don't go beyond that and I'm very proud actually my last half term I went on holiday for a whole week and did not take my laptop and did not look at my emails. This is a huge achievement for me. Wonderful. Congratulations. Long may it last through the future Absolutely. as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, be, and be ambitious, get excited, find something. RSC was the thing that got me at the very start. I was given a copy of Towards Dialogic Teaching uh, by Robin Alexander, which was the first time I'd ever heard of this word RSC. And I got the bug and I've taken it with me in every role in every school I've ever been in. So find your passion. That's such good advice. Find your passion. And I think that's the great thing, particularly about primary teaching. There are so many ways your passion can go. So many subjects, so many skills. So, yeah, find your passion. That's really great advice, Angela. Thank you. Pleasure. Um, and just the final thing, if anyone wanted to find you or contact you, are you on um, kind of any social media that you're happy to share with our listeners today? Yes, I am at Deputy Schofield on Twitter. That's the easiest way to get hold of me if anyone wants resources or advice or to come and visit us. Um, I am on LinkedIn as Angela Schofield. I'm a newbie to LinkedIn and I haven't quite got my head around it. So you may wait a little bit longer for a reply on there, but I am. <laughs> but you're on there. So that's I'm the on start. There. <laughs> um, and so the last thing just to ask before we finish the show, what's, what's next for Angela Schofield? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm not sure yet, actually. There's, there's lots of exciting projects planned for the Trust next year that... Um, I'm leading on which is exciting some more work around disadvantage gap we're doing some work on dual coding and we're doing some work on metacognition um just get bigger and better all the time and still that oracy at the heart of all you do i guess absolutely wonderful well angela thank you so much for joining us on teachers talk radio this morning thank you for having me um, I, cer I certainly feel inspired and for anyone who didn't quite catch the start of the show, please do go back, listen in through the Teacher Talk Radio website because Andrew has shared so many tips, just some of my favourites I've written down, Chatterbox Corner, uh, Sheds in the Playground. Actually, I might have a word with my son's teacher because they've got a lot of those um, like wooden caravan type, like the glamping style things in the playground, but there's nothing Ooh. inside them. So I feel like that's the perfect <sighs> blank canvas to have some like you say, some little inspirational bits and bobs for the children to look at. Absolutely, that's perfect. <laughs> and definitely the Lego. So if anyone didn't catch that top tip, give your learners a piece of Lego and when they contribute to the conversation, they can add it to the class tower. Honestly, I'm going to be raiding my children's Lego box next time I'm teaching on campus. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe my next, do you know what? I think this could actually work in a staff meeting because you oh, know what? You, absolutely. Well, you, you reflected that you're one of those people who's very confident to contribute. But equally, I think we always have those staff in the staff meetings um, or CPD that aren't always so confident. So maybe we need staff having Lego blocks to, to build in the tower. <laughs> Show that everyone well, matters, whatever your I, age. I might take that tip from you. I like that one. <laughs> Look, we're all in this learning together, Angela. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you so much. I wish you a really wonderful afternoon and a wonderful weekend, Angela. And uh, hopefully we'll chat again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. And take care to all our listeners. Wishing you all a wonderful weekend. Thank you, Saya, who's wishing us uh, a nice day as well. And to all our listeners, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take care.